From the Teaching and Learning Collaborative at the Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Josh Luckins, instructional designer and host of the CoLab podcast, where we dive deep into the art and science of teaching and learning. Today, we're going to feature two of my interviews with Dr. Igor Minovich, Professor of Applied Mathematics in the School of Computing and Data Science at Wentworth. Igor was a member of the new faculty orientation cohort that I welcomed to Wentworth in the fall of 2022, and I served as his instructional coach throughout his first year on campus. In our first interview from the spring of 2023, we'll reflect on how his teaching transformed throughout his first year here, inspired by our collaboration. Igor, welcome to the CoLab. Thank you, Josh. Great to have you here. It's great to be here. Always a pleasure chatting with you. For new faculty orientation this past August, the Teaching and Learning Collaborative led four days of faculty development programming focused on course design, course delivery, and the dynamic use of academic technologies. What was your experience like at new faculty orientation? How did it help set you up for success in the Wentworth classroom? First of all, it was a very welcoming and warm experience. It was just so much fun to talk about teaching. I was already an experienced teacher, so I really didn't think that I could get a lot out of it, but I, I actually did get a lot out of it. There was a lot of feelings that were generated through the program. It actually made me feel more, having more embodied experience of the kinds of teaching pedagogies that I want to use in the classroom. It gave me a whole lot of new ideas also for how I could get students to collaborate and produce learning together. It also just the most profound thing about it, I think, was that I learned that it was possible to bring all of myself, all of my true self in through the teaching. And it's not just teaching the material. It's about teaching life, spiritual lessons that I've learned, any kinds of things that feel like truly me into the classroom. And I did that throughout the first year. How did your students respond to that? Yeah, so my students have commented a lot throughout the whole first year that I'm like the nicest teacher they've ever had. It was very welcoming being in my classroom. I actually led some meditations in some of my classes. And uh, at the end of one of the semesters, somebody actually asked me to guide another meditation. I wasn't planning on it, but it was really cool to see that they wanted that. Also, I felt like I was able to just engage with the students better, make more of their selves come out. That's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that. And what was it, what did it feel like for you to be able to bring your full self and all your experience into the classroom as a teacher? Yeah, it just felt much more fulfilling than it had before. I've been to three other places where I've taught as a visiting assistant professor. Um, and also, plus, I taught in graduate school, and it just never felt quite as fulfilling as when I was able to just bring my whole self into the teaching, really teach from the heart, really teach what I felt like teaching sometimes. Sometimes I would go into uh, little spiels about my research, sometimes about meditation or yoga or other things, and 
just the way that I led the classroom felt a lot more authentic and like it would actually help students more. It sounds like you were able to do that and your students really responded. They saw that you were showing up fully and they showed up fully as well. And you were able to meet each other where you were both at together and take that learning both in math, but also about everything that has to do all the things that math affects in our whole lives and, you know, just the soft skills that you develop in college and then bring that forward in your classroom. Yeah, it's true. They did have some soft skills to learn for sure. A lot of students would come in not actually knowing how to study well, not knowing what they needed to do to actually succeed in the classroom. And we talked about that together. We uh, actually made a Google Doc and students shared ideas about how they were studying for quizzes. We talked about what they need to do to get to be actually ready and to learn well. And a lot of them did implement that and were able to improve throughout the semester. That's great. And I remember that we used collaborative Google Docs in our new faculty orientation. So exactly. was that, yeah, is that something you... That's where I got the idea, yeah. Are there any other ideas that you got at new faculty orientation that you used in the classroom that you could tell us about? So using Brightspace for all of the functionality that it offers also was an idea that I learned from the TLC. I've definitely used quizzes to help facilitate learning when the online homework problems wouldn't be enough. Also, there's so much that you can do in Brightspace. You can put in videos, you can put in little notes for students. There's lots of ways to communicate with the students through quick little blurbs that help a lot. I'm so glad to hear that. So throughout the year, the Teaching and Learning Collaborative also ran an instructional coaching program in which new faculty members were paired with instructional designers to meet throughout the academic year and offer coaching and support in all areas of teaching and learning. Tell me about your reflections on that experience. Yeah, it was really helpful to have somebody who is impartial to talk to about my teaching, to just share any little bits of stress that might have happened, share how I've been implementing the new things that I learned at the new faculty orientation, just someone to bounce ideas off of and reflect with. And it actually helped me to continue to improve my teaching throughout the semester. I'm so glad. And I was your instructional coach. So it was really a pleasure to work with you throughout the year. And I wonder if you have any reflections on just, yeah, what it was like to have that kind of relationship continue from the beginning of the year all the way now through the end of your first academic year at Wentworth. Yeah, so it's great to actually make a friend with somebody at the, the Teaching and Learning Collaborative. Yeah, I'd say the fact that we've been talking about my teaching throughout the whole year has helped me to develop a better relationship with you and feel more comfortable with sharing different things. And uh, you know what I'm working on, you know what I still want to improve. Yeah, so for example, one of the things that has that this has helped me to improve is my engagement with the students, helping them to actually do more and for me to back off a little bit. Uh, like one of the things that I learned is that I tend to be like a professor and take the professorial role of, you know, me presenting material to the students more so than uh, just bridging that gap between where they are and where they need to go. And I've learned to uh, step back more and let them just bridge the gap more and learn of their own for them to work harder and for me to 
not do so much for them on the board so that they don't feel like it's just me doing my own thing up there. It's the whole class being engaged in learning together, co-creating learning. That's wonderful. It sounds like you were accustomed to teaching the way that you were taught. And through this thought partnership with an instructional designer and with our team, you were able to see things in a new way and discover new ways of being a professor. Exactly right. And this is the kind of thing that I had heard a lot before, like, yes, uh, the students need to be the ones working, learning and whatnot. And, you know, and the only way learning happens is if they're engaged, if they're actively learning. But to actually embody that in practice now at Wentworth has really helped. It's just completely changed the way I actually feel about teaching. How so? How do you feel about teaching now versus how you used to feel? Yeah, before it was like a formal process, uh, I was like a formal lecturer and, you know, I'm just like presenting this lecture to the students and they're writing down notes or they're filling in worksheets or whatnot. And now it feels more like we're actually co-creating learning together. Students are engaged with me, like actually really engaged. They feel comfortable talking. They feel comfortable sharing ideas with each other, criticizing each other. They feel comfortable working in teams. and it's just, it, it feels different knowing that it's not just a one-way dialogue, me presenting information to them. It's a two-way dialogue and a multi-way dialogue. It's fantastic. That is really beautiful. So Igor, as part of our instructional coaching program, TLC Instructional Designers offered no stakes supportive classroom observations in which we observed a class of your choice and met with you afterward to provide both positive feedback and areas for growth as an educator. What did you take away from that experience? Yeah, it was really helpful for you to actually sit in in my classroom and tell me that students are actually feeling comfortable to be engaged. Little pointers that you gave about how to um, communicate with the classroom, like instead of referring to you guys all the time, saying my friends or you know things like that were helpful. But um, my big takeaways, I think, were the fact that I was actually engaging students pretty well, that I could hold back a little bit more, but that they were already feeling comfortable to, to talk in classroom, that I'm already engaging them pretty well, and that I, I can just keep it up. I don't need to completely modify my approach or anything. That's great. Yeah, it sounds like this whole thought partnership with an instructional designer throughout the year has helped you to both see yourself in a new light, but also feel seen and heard and be able to bring that to your students. Quite right. Mm -hmm. How so? Tell me more. Yeah, um, I feel more comfortable leading a discussion, leading the classroom like a partnership with my students rather than being like a, a formal lecturer now. And yeah, I feel like I've grown a lot as an, an instructor and a multitude of little ways and also in being able to use bright space technology and other technologies but also in just the feeling that i can bring my whole self into the classroom and teach students the kinds of things that i feel called to teach them in a way that i feel called to teach them can you tell me a little bit more about this realization that you had in your faculty orientation that there's a way it's possible to integrate your kind of 
identity as a yoga teacher and your identity as a math professor and have the teaching of math be a, not just kind of a technical discipline, but something that really touches on beauty and love and truth and all of these great things that really speak to uh, the human condition. What was that realization like and how were you able to integrate that into your teaching this year? My realization was of the type that like something new is possible on the horizon. It's not quite there with me, but it's possible. It's possible to actually teach students about spirituality through teaching about math. That was a big, big realization for me. It was something that I just had never thought was possible. It just feels so fulfilling to try and get there. And I, I don't always get there in every class, but I know it's possible and I'm working towards getting there. What would it look like or feel like for you once you're there? The way I'm imagining it, students are learning the math, but it's all overshadowed by this spiritual idea that we're actually learning truth as much as possible. Like what we're learning in math is actually truth. No matter who you ask, everybody will agree on the mathematics being the same, correct? Students would feel like we're learning something deep and profound and beautiful that can be used in all kinds of ways, but also is a spiritual endeavor what they're doing. How so? The practice of doing mathematics, I think, helps to develop not only your mind, but also your spirit and your heart. It takes a lot of effort. And it takes a bit of, I believe, when you're really doing mathematics, it actually takes some channeling of real truth from the universe. Something that isn't just you doing road calculations like you're taught in uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, but actually realizing profound things about what's actually true and what's possible and what mathematics actually is. Because it's not just calculations. It's not just doing things that the instructor told you how to do and you're just replicating them. It's really about the discovery of truth. Mathematics is about the discovery of how the universe works, why things are the way they are. How have you discovered these things through your practice as a mathematician? Through my PhD, I discovered that there's a whole lot out there that we don't know. And in learning what's out there, we become better people. We learn something about our humanity. We learn something about humility and not knowing everything, not knowing anything about anything and starting from almost nothing and learning more and more and more. And as you dive into that experience of learning about something new, you gain something more than just the knowledge. What have you gained beyond the knowledge? It's hard to describe in words. It's like a feeling of spirituality, a feeling of being connected with the universe, um, a feeling of gratitude for anything that I do know. But maybe more than anything, a feeling of mystery. And it's that mystery that I really want to dive into. And when you're able to invite students into that inquiry, into that discovery, into the fascination with that mystery and everything that it contains, it's really beautiful and exciting, isn't it? Yeah. When students are the ones that are actually excited about the mystery of how something works, and they're actually 
discovering things. They're learning for themselves with me guiding them a little bit, maybe. Then it's a whole different experience. It's a completely different experience from me teaching them and just telling them this is how it is. They go from a state of like, I don't know anything to a state of cool. I'm actually learning things. I'm actually playing with this stuff. I'm creating my own learning rather than when I'm just lecturing them. They're just feeling like, oh, okay, this is just another boring lecture, another day of routine learning, blah, blah, blah. It also sounds like it's a lot more of an exciting experience for you as a teacher. For sure. When students discovered something new or when they've realized something that is really cool, the spark, that light that shines from them is like visible. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their face, their smile. That's just the that's just the most profound reason to teach, I think. Tell me about a moment when you had that this year with a student. I remember when students learned about the singular value decomposition in linear algebra, and they were totally unfamiliar with the subject, and it just the, the subject seems so complicated. And they started programming in MATLAB the instructions to read in a, an image and then to convert that image into a matrix and do something with that matrix and then spit out the new image. So they learned about how to compress the image and then they were able to see the new image. It was almost as clear. It was just a, almost just as clear and it was a whole lot smaller. And you know the, the sparkle in their eyes when they saw like, wow, it's like the same image, just a tiny bit modified. And I did this myself. Like that was really cool. They really were able to understand what this is about, even if they didn't really understand the all of the mathematics completely yet. It sounds like they also understood a future possibility for themselves to have agency and power in creating something new and all these applications they could use in the future to, you know, design something exciting or change something, use use mathematics as a tool to create something new that they want to see in the world. Yeah, for sure. So they were able to learn how to write a loop in MATLAB by themselves, and they were able to apply it. And I think that kind of experience just makes you feel a whole lot more comfortable with programming. And programming offers you limitless opportunities to create things, to engage with the world, to understand things in your own way, to just use it for any kind of any day task or to build a program for others to use. Yeah, it really does offer limitless opportunities. And yeah, I think a lot of them were excited about applying it in their daily lives, learning more about it. I did have students like come and ask me, how can I use this for new applications? How can I use this in chess or in checkers? How can I apply this in the stock market? That's really exciting. Have your students been talking at all about generative artificial intelligence like chat gpt and you know what are your what are your thoughts on these new technologies and the power and capacities they'll have the need for people to design them and shape them and also the the dangers the limits of them yeah so students are i think unimpressed with the way that these technologies work right now to do mathematics but I think they're they're trying them. They're uh, aware of their existence, and they're they're trying to use them. And I think sometimes these technologies can be for the benefit of humanity. I think they can save us time. But ultimately, we must know if the technology is producing a result that makes sense or not. 
uh, we need to be the ones that are interpreting what the outcome is of the technology's use. And I, I think that's the most important thing that we can really teach students. Beyond the technical skills, they need to have a good comprehension. And I think that's why really we exist as teachers is not so much to teach them the technical skills, but really to teach them the understanding, the overall comprehension of what they should be looking for, what they should be expecting in their interpretation of the calculation. Sounds like it's more about discernment because we live in a world now where knowledge is not limited by any means. It's, you know, we have access to it infinitely. And so what do we do with that? What do we do with these powers? And a danger is just not, not being able to discern between truth and fiction or to analyze the true importance or significance of, of something or facts of, of events, new information. So it sounds like you're, you're seeing your role as a professor as really empowering students with a lifelong skill they'll be able to use as the world continues to change and technologies continue to evolve and present new challenges and opportunities. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that I think that's my task. Not so much to teach them a skill that they might remember for a half semester and then maybe forget by the time the time comes to the final exam. Maybe they'll relearn it again and maybe they'll remember it for again another few weeks. And they might re reuse these skills, but I mean, I think ultimately technology is going to be able to take away some of that. So they're not, there's not going to be that pressure for a person to actually do computations so much by hand. The person is going to need to make sure that the technology's outcome makes sense. And then if the outcome doesn't make sense, maybe then check over their calculation and see what happened. Maybe check over the initial parameters they used or whatnot. Like there's, there's so much to say about the kinds of things that you can program into a technology, put in, and then what it spits out and analyzing whether or not the input was well made and whether the output is correct and how you actually use that output. Yeah, because stakes are really high. I mean, all these new sources of data that are coming out are being used to form policy. And there was a, a sentence in a judicial sentence recently in uh, the news that was dictated through uh, chat, uh, not necessarily ChatGPT, but one of these artificial intelligence systems. So the, the stakes are high, you know, and really having people understand, you know, the biases inherent in these systems and what's going in, what's coming out and being able to say, you know, no, let's step back. Let's look at it from a new perspective. Let's redo this rather than just taking the machine's word for it. Yeah, there's so many ways in which statistics can be fabricated, uh, made to look like something's true and it's really not. And does correlation actually imply causation? No. And students need to know that. They need to understand that even though the data might suggest that there's a relation between two or three parameters, that doesn't mean that one causes the other. It also doesn't mean that it doesn't. So they need to really investigate the processes by which one might cause the other. What does that look like? You know, there's, yeah, there's a lot to say about the work that students need to put into really, really thoroughly making sure that what the computer has spit out actually makes sense and is actually true in the world. Well, Igor, we've covered a lot of ground together this afternoon from new faculty orientation, instructional coaching, course observations, 
even technologies and their impact. But I really love what you were saying about the heart of teaching and you, some of your realizations about what you've gotten out of working with an instructional designer this semester and how your teaching has practice has evolved this year for the better and you, how you see uh, new expanded possibilities for the future. So as we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? I just think that my year would not have been the same without the new faculty orientation and talking to you, Megan, Tess, and the uh, Teaching and Learning Collaborative. I guess one of the things I wanted to share was that I wanted to bring in meditation into the classroom and actually do some research on how much that helps students. And I've been in contact with Tess about that. So there are knowledgeable people in the TLC who have lots of resources at hand who will work with you to do research on teaching if that's your call. And I would just highly recommend to utilize the TLC as much as possible. It can really shape how well your teaching goes, how good you feel about it, how your year goes. Thanks so much for that testimonial. You're welcome. My pleasure. Igor, it's been such a pleasure talking with you this afternoon. I spoke with Igor again midway through the fall semester of 2023, and we discussed how his teaching practice has continued to evolve. Igor, when we last spoke, you were finishing up your second semester here at Wentworth, and now you're a whole many months later, and you've actually just finished up a second seven-week course, and you have a whole lot of perspective now looking back at our year working together in an instructional coaching relationship and all of our time together in the new faculty orientation and all that. So how do you feel like that work has continued to influence your teaching here at Wentworth? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that has come out of our conversations is that I continually think about how to engage my students in multiple ways, multiple modalities of showing them the different concepts through applications to real life, through visual applications, seeing the content, in their own way as much as possible and working through the different challenges with them individually, one-on-one -on -one, to figure out what way works best for every student and how I can combine the different things that I see in different students, what ways they like to learn so that I can teach everybody effectively. That's great. Do you have any examples of anything you've done recently in the classroom, bringing in multiple modalities or particular students' learning style and you're adjusted on the fly or plan something unique for that class? Yeah, so one of the things I'm really liking is using the platform Mathematize to ask questions to students in class and have them participate while they're learning the content so that I gauge how well they're understanding immediately and so that everybody's actually participating. I'm also having them repeat things with me. So like key phrases, I'll have them repeat with me. I'll ask them questions and I want everybody to respond on the count of three, things like that. Like what kind of phrases? Key things that they need to remember about concepts in linear algebra. So like a free variable needs to be set equal to itself. So I'll have them repeat a free variable is free to be itself. And <laughs> that's beautiful. A free variable is free to be itself. It's very empowering. That's what I really love is as much as possible to bring a hint or a memory or an idea of something spiritual into the classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a math affirmation. Right. <laughs> a mathy affirmation for yourself. <laughs> 
<laughs> free variables and you are free to be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's so good. And how do your students like it? How have they responded to the math affirmations? <laughs> well, they're all participating, it seems, or at least most of them are. It seems like it's working. This year, I didn't have anybody forget that a free variable is set equal to itself. And the last year, I tried it in two different semesters, and there were always students who didn't know how to do that, didn't know how to work with that. So it seems like it's working. It seems like it's doing something. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> also, it looks like you're having fun doing it. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I am. It's fun when everybody is talking with me in the class. It, yeah. It's really great when everybody is participating. Yeah. And, and you know, if like you're having fun and there's a smile on your face, that's an invitation to students to come and join fun, to play and to engage. Right. And the more they participate, the more there's that smile on my face. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all built together. Yeah. You, you know, just build this culture. You just build this culture of how like everybody has to say the answer on the count of three and they all say it. And it's like, you know, you start off with the most simple things. You're adding one row of an array of numbers to another. And so it's a bunch of things like, what's two plus four? What's three minus six? And, you know, everybody knows the answer to that. It's just, they're all following along about what we're doing. And so when I ask them to tell me on the count of three, then everybody can tell me. And, you know, the more we do these really simple things, the more they feel comfortable speaking and the more they say more complicated things as well. Nice. I love that moving from low stakes to high stakes and building self-efficacy by giving them all these early moments of success. And, you know, also having everyone speak at the same time. So, you know, maybe if you're a little bit more shy, you can kind of blend in with the crowd. And also it's fun. It's just this kind of unique culture. And you mentioned the word culture before. It's something I think about a lot when I observe mm -hmm. classes. I kind of think of myself as an anthropologist. Every time I go into a classroom, I'm going to use right. culture. Yeah. What's going on here? What's the vibe? What's the, what are the unwritten rules? What are the expectations? And across Wentworth, there's so many different disciplines and teaching styles and ways of teaching and learning. And it's absolutely fascinating for me to, to see. How would you characterize the kind of core elements of the culture that you build in your classroom? Mm, so most importantly, I want it to be a culture of respect for the students and I want them to feel comfortable and at ease to speak and get it wrong. It's something that I keep emphasizing over and over. Like it's a good thing to make a mistake in the class because that means that you get to learn at that point rather than on the exams. And yeah, just creating a, com a culture of comfort. That's, that's my number one priority. That's really nice. Yeah. I always think about this phrase, uh, fail early to succeed sooner. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fail early and often. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. I mean, and in our culture, especially, you know, students have been acculturated through K-12 education so much of, you know, can't get it wrong, don't want to be wrong. You know, it's all about the the grade. And so it's almost an ungrading, ungrading strategy is to bring in the, you know, actually we're, we're going to, in all these practice problems, try and <laughs> look for the moments where we don't understand, try and, and fail now, figure out our errors and get better little by little together in this no stakes supportive environment where we're all in it together. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So like one thing I did was for the exam, the first exam, um, I noticed that many students got one's concept wrong. And so I, I posted a question about that in Mathematize. And again, everybody got it wrong because I, I hadn't explained yet. 
And I wanted them to see that, like, they're not alone. Everybody's in the same boat, and that's okay. That's mm -hmm. nice. That's really cool. Do you have you ever done anything with like group assessments, or you know, where students can kind of do peer instruction or help each other out, that type of thing, where they're not just learning from you, but learning with each other? So, I mean, I have them work in groups a lot, but I haven't graded groups this semester. Um, yeah, in the past, I've done projects where the groups present together, and yeah, they have to kind of help each other to learn the concepts that they need to present, do their own research, find out their own little tidbits about the topic that they're interested in. So the history, the mathematics behind it. I remember when I was in your class, there were also students up at the board working. And then, you know, you had students from the class who were kind of watching, help them out. And that, you know, students help each other, explain to each other, help each other further their own learning. And that was a really nice example, I think, of getting people comfortable doing all of these types of things, calculations, but also presenting and also collaborating. Uh, so you're kind of building soft skills in the classroom as well as just the mathematics skills. Right. That's important. Yeah. I think it's very important to get a well-rounded education, but also to not just get stuck in the logic. I mean, I think it's so important to make sure that you're still being human after all, that you know, it's not just the thinking logical part of the brain that gets activated, but I think even more importantly, the creative side of the brain, like what can they get curious about? Definitely, definitely. And how do you, in a seven week class, a really short class, how do you zoom out from the math they need to learn to those big pictures, the curiosity, the application, the wonder of it all? So sometimes I actually start off the class with a meditation. Sometimes we just talk about something like, for example, last class, we talked about abstraction. What does abstraction mean? How is it used? And is it pointless? Is it hard? Is it difficult? Is it the, the kind of thing that like students are afraid of? And I, I want them to actually express how they feel to me. So like, I'll actually ask them to share how they're feeling, especially after meditation. It's kind of easy for them to gauge their own feelings and express like, are they feeling comfortable with the material? Sometimes a check-in, just like how they're doing otherwise outside of class. Are they overwhelmed with other subjects? Did they have a good weekend? You know, things like that. I always have loved your focus on wellness and bringing that into the classroom, especially in such a time of stress in the world. How have you seen that pay dividends in your work with students? So some students really appreciate meditation. And I've actually uh, given them a handout. It's a two-page handout where they, I have just have some tips for how to be yourself more. As far as the dividends go, it seems like some of my students are actually reading that and doing some things of the tips that I mentioned. I don't really know about most of the students, though, honestly. So it's a thing that I still have to work on. I have much to learn about and in actually incorporating that into the classroom and getting in touch with students about what of those tips they're doing and how much time to spend in class uh, actually talking about wellness because you know most of the classroom probably should be spent on actually learning the content and having students work with the content and it's but, great to hear you to talk about the areas that you still are curious to to grow in and to to improve in and to lean into one more question i was thinking about beauty i know that you know your focus on kind of bringing math into a broader context 
could be connected with beauty. How do you see that coming out in terms of the, the logic and the systems of thinking that you are exploring in the math classroom? Mm, yeah, so in linear algebra, the focus primarily is on learning the techniques. And so there's not that much focus on beauty. And so what I try to do is I try to uh, at least show them this puzzle called the lights out puzzle, where they can play around with clicking squares and they switch from one color to another. And you can actually apply the linear algebra concepts to that and see how certain patterns start to emerge and how you can do these technical concepts and then actually arrive at something that produces some kind of pattern in the puzzle. And they can actually test that out. They, there's a website and they can go to the website and actually play around with it and see that, hey, wow, this actually works. And I mean, I think it's beautiful when the mathematics actually works out and you can actually see it. Like you click these four squares and everything lights up, for example. That's great. And it sounds like you're doing such a great job of integrating all these different technological tools to bring the concepts to life, literally, and engage all the students in learning. I'm trying and there's more, much more to be done. Yeah, one of the things that I'd like to work on is making more apps on MATLAB or other software to help students visualize the concepts more. Right now, there's a, a pretty cool app that shows students how two-dimensional things work. So I made this little app that shows how a two-by-two two matrix transforms one vector into another. I'd like to do that for three-dimensional things as well. Love it. Love it. You're such a curious person and you're always innovating, trying new things, exploring new technologies and trying new techniques in the classroom that you see, you know, help your students to engage more deeply and be more successful, not only at math, but just in, you know, growing into more of themselves because that's what college should be about. And I'm just curious right. as to the role that curiosity has played in your life. Yeah, curiosity is everything. I think it'd be super boring without that. <laughs> And I try to incorporate curiosity as much as I can into my daily life and to the students' classroom. Yeah. And if they're not curious about the material, then chances are they're not going to learn anything. So I like to provoke them with engaging questions. Like, how would you do this? Rather than just telling them, like, this is how you do it. Look, do you think it's possible that we can solve this problem? Do you think it's possible that there's always a, a way to do it? There's a technique to solve this. So I really think it's important to ask leading questions before you tell anything. And, you know, oftentimes I want to gauge students' reactions and just see where they are. What, what do they think? And sometimes they'll get it wrong. Sometimes they'll get it right. And sometimes the class will be half divided, divided into halves. And one half will think one thing, another half will think the other thing. And that just makes it so much more fun. Yeah, those moments sound very engaging. You know, there's all of a sudden people have stakes in it and they're like, oh, what is it this way? Is it that way? And then when you do kind of explain it in the end, they're like, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah, and it sounds like curiosity really guides your practice as an educator as well. So that's wonderful. Right. I mean, in mathematics, curiosity is the thing that helps move math forward. It, not logic, but curiosity and creativity. You know, I, I think we're meant to be powerful creators. I think that's our primary role in life is to create things in a way that's not logical, that's meaningful and somehow feels deeply moving and profound to us. 
And as long as we keep moving in that direction, I feel like we're doing the right thing. As soon as we get stuck in nitty gritty details or just the logic, and it's like we're not being fully ourselves. Sometimes you need to go into the details, but you just want to make sure that you come out of them too. And that you know that that's just a small part of life. Yeah, you're just seeing a small part of the big picture. That's beautiful. And of course, all these solutions that you're showing students were invented at some point by somebody who looked at a really complex problem that maybe had never been solved and they figured out how to solve it. And I feel like the way you're teaching gives students the empowerment to feel like maybe in the future, they'll be able to find those types of solutions to problems that are facing humanity in our lifetimes. All right, exactly. That's the goal. Well, Igor, it's been wonderful reconnecting with you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You're so welcome. Likewise. Dr. Igor Minovich is a professor of applied mathematics in the School of Computing and Data Science at the Wentworth Institute of Technology. And I'm Josh Luckins, instructional designer and host of the CoLab podcast, a production of the instructional design team at the Teaching and Learning Collaborative here at the Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, stay curious. Mm-hmm.